the Lord. We're going to end up in Philippians when we're all said and done. But we'll get there uh, via the Gospel of Luke and then First Timothy. So you're going to find Luke first, Luke chapter 12. Then we'll go to First Timothy for a moment or two. And then we'll end up in Philippians chapter 4. In the cemetery in England stands a grave marker with this inscription. She died for want of things. She died for want of things. Alongside it's another one with these words. He died trying to give them to her. (laughs) I don't know if that's literally the case, but I'm told that it is. But regardless, it does speak to an issue that all of us deal with. There's a four letter word that we all struggle with. It's the word more. M-O-R-E. It starts very early, it seems. We could get our group together that was singing for us at the very beginning of the service. Our, you know, three, four, five age there. We could get them together today and put them on the church bus and take them to Charlotte and take them to Toys R Us or some other toy store and go in. Let them see the toys and experience the toys and touch the toys and feel the toys and It wouldn't be long before we would all hear those words. You know those words, don't you? Words like, I want this. Can we buy this? Can I have this? Can we bring this home with us? Now, we're not much better if we're honest about it. We could get our guys and even some of the ladies here today and get on the bus and go to Concord and go to Bass Pro Shops. And it wouldn't be long before you would be looking around there and you would be touching and experiencing and feeling all that Bass Pro Shops has to offer. And it wouldn't be long before you might be thinking, you know, I need to bring this back with us. Do we have room on the bus to get this in the bag? Some others among us, maybe some other ladies would say, no, I'd rather go to, I don't know, maybe a nice large shoe store or maybe a, a craft shop or you know where the place would be. You can drop me off at a bookstore. It can be Lifeway or Barnes and Noble. You can take my wife to TJ Maxx and it won't be long before we'll both find something that will probably find its way back to Anson County. You know, a a shotgun or a new pair of shoes within itself is nothing wrong within, is there? Um, We know it's okay to have things, but the saying goes, what, as long as things don't have us. But the real question is, do they already have us? Do they already have us? Could that explain why so many homes are not only stuffed to the max, but bursting at the seams? Could that explain why we have to have multiple yard cells to make room for the stuff that we've brought in that no longer fits because of all the stuff we already had? Could that explain the explosion of the storage bin industry and plastic containers everywhere because things keep multiplying. Could that explain why there's so much frustration about all the stuff that we have, all the stuff we have to care for, all the stuff we have to store, and all the stuff we have to deal with? You know, Jesus spoke about our stuff. You might have found by now Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13, it says in Luke 12:13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, this is Jesus speaking, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? 
And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Now watch this next part. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. In other words, a man's life is not all about all of his stuff and how much he has. And it goes on in verse 16. It said, they spake a parable unto them, saying, the ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. I mean, it was a bumper crop. And he thought within himself, saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. I've got too much stuff. I've got too much of these fruits that are coming forth from this wonderful harvest. Verse 18 says, he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shalt those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. You know, that man in the parable sounds a lot like us, doesn't he? We, we don't have enough room. We need to add on some room. Paul said this to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, if you'll go there very quickly as we make our way through these passages to end up in Philippians 4 this morning. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning at verse 6, we read these words. 1 Timothy 6, 6. But godliness with contentment is great gain. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain that we care, we can carry nothing out and having food and raiment, let us there with or be there with content, content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and the snare and a many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But thou, O man of God, flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness. Content. Contentment. We're busy thinking about more, more, and more. Today I want to think about contentment. Contentment. Go back to Philippians chapter four, and we're going to finish up our study of this little book today. Our message is called learning to be content, and I'll be honest with you, I had a hard time preparing this message. I know that I'm not where Paul had reached in his life. I know I've got room to grow in this area. It's a very difficult message to put together. I know I've got room to grow. Perhaps you do as well. And if so, we can grow together today. We can be challenged together. I want to begin reading at verse number 10 of Philippians chapter 4. And it says here in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye also were careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want. Watch this. For I have learned... And whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. 
Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, ye have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, if you remember, the theme of this little book of Philippians is the theme of joy. Joy. We find here in verse number 10, he starts out again, but I rejoice in the Lord greatly. Now, remember where Paul is at this time. Paul is not in some palatial, wonderful mansion or residence of the rich and famous. Paul is under house arrest, more than likely at this time. House arrest. And he's there in prison. He's in prison for Christ. He's shackled, but still rejoicing. We call this series, what we've been studying through, Still Joyful. And Philippians is really a thank you note, a thank you letter, or a letter of receipt For what the Philippians had sent to Paul through their minister, through their servant, Epaphroditus. The Philippians had given to Paul's needs in the past and they had given to his needs again. And Paul is grateful for their generosity, yet he shares with them something that he had learned. Notice what it says in verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want. For I have learned, watch this, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be what? To be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. He had learned to be content. That word content here literally means, has the idea of being self-sufficient. Now, we know that Paul was not rejoicing in his own self-sufficiency. We know what Paul is rejoicing in here is not sinful self-sufficiency, not sinful self-reliance, but he's rejoicing in Christ. It's a reliance upon the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Content has the idea of not needing outside resources. It has the idea of being satisfied. But notice what it says there. I have learned to be this way. I've learned to be this way. And the idea there is learning by experience. He knew how to be brought low and he knew how to be exalted. He knew how to be hungry and he knew how to be full. He knew how to be content, whether he was staying in the downtown Hilton or the dungeon prison. He had learned to be content. Now, I want you to understand something. As I understand the scripture here, this learning to be content is both a process. But it also involves a person. It involves a process and a person. The process is just living life itself. 
he had learned through the ups and downs of life. Contentment. You go back and look at Paul's life. It's not a boring life. It was a dangerous life. (laughs) He knew what it was to be beaten for Christ. He knew what it was to, to face literally to face death for the Lord Jesus. It was a process. But ultimately it involved a person. And that person, of course, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 13, what? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, that is a popular verse. That's one of those great verses in Scripture. People love to claim it. People love to quote it. It's a great verse. But always remember, when you take a verse of Scripture and you look at it, keep it in context. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, the text is verse 13. The context are the verses around it. And in other words, to put it another way, you examine a verse in relationship to all the verses around that verse. Keep it in context. This verse is used to inspire people to do things that this verse has nothing to do with at all. I was in Goodwill uh, probably last month. I like to stop in Goodwill. We're talking about stuff, right? Goodwill is a great place, right? Good stuff. And I was walking by their display of their pictures and I caught out of the corner of my eye a picture of a guy dunking a basketball. And he's there dunking the basketball. I noticed these words on that print. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Let me ask you something. Is that what God had in mind when he had Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit write these words? I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Did he have in mind that I can claim that and go dunk a basketball today? We could leave this service right now and go down to the basketball court. Has it been repaired yet? Somebody's been dunking down there. Let's say it's been repaired. If not, we need to work on it. But we could go down this afternoon. I could quote all day for Philippians 4.13 and attempt to dunk a basketball. But you know what? Unless you lower the rim really low. I'm not going to be dunking a basketball. And even if you lower it really low and I dunk it, I may come up with another sling on the other arm. Because I hurt myself. See, it's not something on me at all. This is not just a blank check. It's not just a verse. You can just say, I can do whatever I want to do. Whatever I want to do through Christ, I can do it. Keep it in context. Paul says what? I can be abased. I can abound. I can be hungry. I can be full. I can be brought low. I can be exalted. I have learned contentment. I can be content in whatever state I am through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Furthermore, it has this idea. I can do everything God has called me to do. Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. If God calls you to do something, if God places a calling upon your life, you can rest assured that you can claim Philippians 4.13. You ought to claim Philippians 4.13 and not go forth in your strength, but His strength. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. It's a process and it also involves a person. The process of living. The ups and downs. Up and down. Up and down. In other words, the hard times, the easy times, the good days, the bad days, whatever God allows to come into our lives. We need to be learning contentment. I'm encouraged today to see that Paul, the Apostle Paul, had to say, I have learned. I'm encouraged to see that today. In other words, Paul didn't say one morning I woke up and I was content. One morning I woke up, I never had another desire. Do you think Paul enjoyed staying in a dungeon? Do you think Paul enjoyed being beaten? 
Do you think Paul enjoyed all these hardships? Do you think Paul enjoyed being shipwrecked? He was a man like you and I. He knew what it was to suffer and to have pain. But Paul says, through Christ, I've learned to be content. I've learned it. You see, it takes maturity and growth, just like the Christian life. There are no instantly mature Christians. There are none. We live in a day of fast and hurry up and microwavable stuff. That's not the way the Christian life works. Someone comes today and trusts Christ, will rejoice with them, will praise God. But that person is a baby Christian. And that person has to begin a life of growth. And they continue to grow. And by the way, we all continue to grow. None of us have arrived. None of us have reached. Starting here with this preacher in this pulpit to down to the nursery. None of us are where we ought to be. None of us are exactly where we need to be. But God is working in our life to make us conform us into the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Contentment is part of that. Now, let me say something very important here. Contentment and complacency are not the same thing. Paul is not saying we're to get to the point where we just say, well, I don't care. Whatever happens, I don't care. We're not talking about complacency. We're talking about contentment. We get content in the wrong areas. We get content watching the world around us die and go to hell without Christ. We get content with our lack of growth and our spiritual immaturity. We get content to be self-centered and self-serving. We've grown content in all the wrong areas. Paul is not saying just rest content and sit back and do nothing. No, he wants us to go forth for Christ. Look at what Paul says in chapter 3, beginning at verse 10. He just told him in Philippians 4 what? I've learned to be content. But notice what he says in Philippians 3, verse 10. That I may know him. This is his desire. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained. Either already perfect, but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. You can look at Paul's life. He was not content just to sit idly by while the world died without Christ. He was seeking to lift up Christ and make him known and plant churches and win disciples and bring people to Christ. But he said, listen, in the circumstances of life, in the circumstances of life, I've learned to be content, whether it's a prison or a palatial dwelling. We could talk about contentment in so so many different areas. but We're talking about circumstances here, and I want to focus on that area for a few moments. We know it's a process that involves living. We have to live and God uses the events in our life to mold us and shape us. So it's a process and it involves the person of Christ. So I want to ask this question today. How can we best cooperate with God to learn contentment? How can we best cooperate with God to learn contentment? Now, this is not an exhaustive list, but I want to give you eight things very quickly that I believe will help us to be more content. Eight things, if you want to jot these down. It's not exhaustive, but here are some things to get us going on this. And I think number one, at the very beginning... Is stop comparing. Stop comparing. Isn't this where we get in the most trouble when it comes to the lack of contentment in our life? 
We can be having an awesome day. I mean, the sun is shining. The birds are singing. Everything is glorious until our neighbor pulls up in a new car. Stop comparing. There's always going to be someone who has a nicer car. There's always going to be someone who has a bigger house, a prettier wife, a more romantic husband, more athletic kids, a bigger paycheck and more stuff than you have. Stop comparing. This is a constant battle that rages. Why? Because it's not just the folks in our neighborhood that we compare ourselves to. It's the folks on television, the folks in the magazines, the folks in media, the folks on the Internet, the folks in the catalogs. And our world says, listen, if you're really going to be somebody, you need to wear this type of clothing. You need to smell like this. You need to act like this. You need to have homes like this. And on and on and on we see, we compare ourselves to those who say, man, I just, oh, I just have this or that. Stop comparing. Listen, if the grass is greener on the other side of the fence, you can rest assured their water bill is a lot higher than yours is. <laughs> Stop comparing. And not only stop comparing, but secondly, start being grateful. Start being grateful. Stop looking at what you don't have and start looking around what you do have. I want you to go home today. Not yet. Don't get too anxious. But I want you to go home today. I want you to look around. Don't look around for all the work you need to be done and all the stuff that needs to be done. I want you to go and I want you just to look around and take in your home. What you have, your surroundings. And listen, if you really want to feel rich, start looking at everything you have that money can't buy. Look at your spouse. Look at your children. Look at the pictures of your grandkids. Start being grateful. Say, God, thank you. Man, we should be so grateful. Are there things we'd like to maybe do differently or things we might have differently here at Red Hill Baptist Church? Sure. But look around you today. Man, we're here in comfortable surroundings. Freely enjoying each other's presence and God's presence among us. We're comfortable. Start being grateful. Third, let me tell you this, stay flexible. Look at what he says in verse 12. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I'm instructed both to be full and be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. Stay flexible. Listen, life is full of change. Get used to it. It's full of change. Get used to it. Expect it. There are going to be great days. There's going to be hard days. The main thing is that you have Jesus with you in all those days. You do have him, don't you? He is your savior. He is your Lord. If not, friend, that's the main thing you need to be hearing today. You need Jesus. You need to repent of your sin, turn from your sin to Christ and trust him and him alone. You know, there are hot dog days and T-bone days. Are you content with either? Listen. Sometimes some of us have a harder time being content when we're abounding than when we're brought low. And in other words... We can't enjoy God's blessings because we feel guilty. You say, I've never heard it. Listen, some people struggle with this. 
In other words, God has blessed you and yet you, you can't even enjoy those blessings because you feel guilty because I got all this stuff and others. Listen, Paul says, listen, I can be content whether I'm brought low or I'm brought high, whether I'm full or I'm hungry. Contentment is the idea of being satisfied with what God has given you and what God has given into your hand. But stay flexible. Realize there are going to be hard days. There's going to be tough days. There's days when we're going to have plenty and days we're going to have great needs. Stay flexible. Stop comparing. Start being grateful. Stay flexible. Fourth, lean on Christ's strength. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Lean on Christ's strength. And by the way, this is the key. He will strengthen you to do what he's called you to do. It is through his strength you'll be able to weather life's storms. It is through his strength you'll be able to be content, satisfied, at peace, resting, even when life is hard. Lean on his strength. And let me insert there, take your desires, take your wants, take them to Christ. He already knows you're there, but take and lay them out before him and say, Lord, you know, I have this desire for this and I have this desire for that. And I have this and I want this and tell him about it. Cast that care upon him and ask for his assistance, ask for his enablement, ask for his grace in your life. Lean on Christ's strength. Fifth, can I say this to you? We've stopped comparing. We've started being grateful. We're staying flexible. We're leaning on Christ's strength. Fifth, give generously. Now, where is that? Look at verse 14. Paul says to the Philippians, notwithstanding, ye have done, well done, that you did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity. Look at what Paul says. Not because I desire a gift. Paul wasn't out to get a gift. Paul says, I'm content either way. Here's what Paul wanted. I desire fruit that may abound to your account. What in the world is he talking about? They were laying up treasure in heaven. Just like you would make it a deposit in the bank here upon earth. He says, listen, as you give to the Lord's work, you're laying up treasure in heaven. I have all, I abound, I'm full, having received Epaphroditus, the things which are sent from you. And we have a picture of the Old Testament sacrifice, an odor of a, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. The Philippians were generous in their support of Paul. If you're having trouble with greed, if you're having trouble with discontent, start giving stuff away. I'm not joking. I'm not being funny. I'm as serious as I can be. Start giving stuff away. Start being generous what God has given you. Give until it hurts and then keep on giving till you feel good. I mean it. Look out at others who have great needs. Look at all the stuff God's blessed you with. You may have a closet full of clothes. You may have a garage full of tools. Whatever it is, would you say today, Lord, I have a problem. I'm discontent. I have greed in my heart. Would you bring folks in my path that I can bless with what you blessed me with. You say, that's radical. Yes, it is. Give generously. You see, when you give sacrificially, whether it's time, money, resources, stuff, whatever it is you're giving, as you give it to the Lord, as you give it to others, then like the Philippians, you can claim the next verse. See, so many people want to claim the next verse, but they don't want to meet the conditions, if you will, for the next verse. You see, 
The sixth thing we're to do is we're to trust God to meet our needs. Verse 19 says, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now, a lot of people love that verse. Like Philippians 4.13, they rip it out of context and use it to get all kinds of things they think in their own mind that God had no idea that was what it was all about. You see, if I could say it this way, it wasn't until after the Philippians had given sacrificially that Paul said to them in verse 19, but my God shall supply all your need. Why did he say that? Probably because they were so sacrificial, they had their own needs now in their own hearts and lives. And because they'd given so generously to God, Paul says, listen, here's a promise. God's going to meet your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. When you start giving and, and, and being a blessing like the Philippians were, then you can claim verse 19 as your own. This is not striving for more and more. This is trusting God to meet your needs, not all your greeds, but all your needs. By the way, may I say this? This takes all the pressure off, doesn't it? When you get to the point where you're giving and you're trusting God to meet your needs, you realize you can leave the rat race of life. You can seek God's kingdom first and trust him to meet all of your needs. Matthew 6, 33 says, but seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, the necessities of life, shall be added unto you. And you know what, beloved? In all honesty, God is so gracious. God is so good. He's not only met so many of our needs, he even gives us those desires and those things we want. We ought to be grateful. Where are we at so far? Stop comparing. Start being grateful. Stay flexible. Lean on Christ's strength. Give generously. Trust God to meet your needs. Number seven, would you do this, please? Make God's glory your goal. Make God's glory your goal. Where do you get that, preacher? Look at verse 20. Now unto God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. One of my favorite verses, and I mention it a lot, it's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. It says this, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do what? Do all to the glory of God. You see, our goal a lot of times is acquiring more. We want more, more, more. We might be a collector of something and we've got to have the next edition. We've got to have the next this or that or the other. Somebody else has that. I need that. We covet. We get covetousness in our hearts. We start storing up money. Well, we need a hundred dollars. Well, we need a thousand dollars. Well, two thousand dollars better. Three thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand. Listen, he that loveth silver shall never be satisfied with silver. If you love stuff, you'll never be satisfied. Make God's glory your goal. Say, listen, I'm done with all this stuff, wanting more and more and more. It's not stuff. It's the Savior. It's the Lord Jesus. It's about exalting him and making him known. It's about introducing others to Jesus rather than trying to impress them with all of my stuff. Why do we love all this stuff? We want to impress other people. Man, you see you see that watch he was wearing? Did you see that dress he was wearing? Did you see those shoes? Did you see that car? Listen, let's let other people see Jesus when they see us. Then that be our goal. God's glory. Not our stuff. There's one more written there. On this short list. Stop comparing. Start being grateful. Stay flexible. 
Lean on Christ's strength. Give generously. Trust God to meet your needs. Make God's glory your goal. And then finally, last but not least. Focus on people. Rather than stuff. Focus on people. Rather than stuff. Look at verse 21. Salute every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren which are with me greet you. All the saints salute you, chiefly they that are of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. It's interesting when you read through Paul's letters, when you get to the end a lot of times to see the people that he talks about, the people that he mentions. Let me ask you something. Are you concerned about people or stuff? Do you want a relationship with people or do you just want their resources? What they can do for you, what they can give you. We're so busy trying to grasp for more and more and more. We don't have time for people. People get in our way. We use people as a means to an end. We don't have time for relationships. We're so busy building our little kingdom. We don't have time to build God's kingdom. Focus on people rather than stuff. Now, listen. I'm not telling you today. That you can't enjoy the blessings of God. I'm not telling you today that you cannot have some stuff. What I'm saying is that cannot be our goal. That cannot be our focus in life. We need to learn contentment. We need to learn that Christ is enough. Whether we have stuff or not. Whether we have everything we want or not. It's the idea of this. You're content with it or without it. You're content either way. He gives it to you. You enjoy it. You're content with it. He takes it away. You say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is given. The Lord is taken away. You're content if you have it. You're content if you don't. Why? Because you have Jesus Christ. And may I say today, Christ is enough. He's enough. Now, let me be honest with you today. I'm going to be transparent as I can. Are we going to reach perfection in this area? No. No, not here. We say, well, it's a process. Paul said, I, I have learned. I've learned through my life. Christ helped me. I've learned how to be content. You're moving from trying to satisfy yourself and fill that void with stuff. You're moving from that to realizing that true satisfaction is found only in one person. His name is Jesus Christ. That longing, that desire, that need, Christ, he's the one you need. If Danny Simpson had known more about guns, he would have been a lot better off. You see, it was 1990, Ottawa, Canada. Danny was 24 years old and Danny went in and robbed a bank. He was arrested for stealing $6,000. And was ultimately sentenced to six years in prison. Now, the interesting thing in this whole story is this, beloved. You see, Danny went to jail, but Danny's gun went to a museum. You see, Danny's gun was a 45 caliber Colt semi-automatic. Which turned out to be an antique made by the Ross Rifle Company in Quebec City in 1918. And that pistol that Danny used to rob that bank was actually worth up to one hundred thousand dollars. 
Danny used a pistol worth up to $100,000 to rob a bank to get $6,000, but then ultimately end up in jail, sentenced for six years. He did not realize that what he needed, he already had in his hand. He didn't need to rob a bank. He had what he needed already. Listen, Christian, in Christ, you have what you need already. Stop trying to fill your life with stuff. Stuff is not the answer. You already have Christ. Christ is enough. Stop comparing. Start being grateful. Stay flexible. Lean on Christ's strength. Give generously. Trust God to meet your needs. Make God's glory your goal. And focus on people. People. Rather than stuff. Will you do that? Will you do that? And if you're here today without Christ, listen, he's waiting with arms open to welcome you to his family. To satisfy your greatest longings, to give you a hope, a purpose, a future, to forgive you of your sin and make you a child of the king. You can come today and have eternal life and have Christ, who is all you need. Let's pray. Father, we need your help in this area. I do. I imagine others, if they were honest, would say the same. Father, our world is so captivated by stuff. Help us not to be. Help us to be captivated by Christ. Help us, yes, to enjoy all the good things you give us, to enjoy the stuff that you've given to us. But, Lord, not to love it, but to love you and love others. Not to find satisfaction in acquiring more and more, but to find our satisfaction in Christ and Christ alone. To use our stuff for his honor and his glory. Father, I pray today that you minister to hearts and lives. I pray if there's anyone here today without Christ, that you bring them near this invitation time. Work in our lives, I pray, in the Savior's name. Amen. Our closing hymn this morning, December 450, the altar is open if you need to come. If you need to come and meet Christ, we'd love to introduce you to our Savior and Lord. If you want to come today and pray. But I trust you'll be challenged. Don't forget to go home. Look around today. Look at all that God's given you. Be grateful. And then hopefully be encouraged and challenged as you're faced with those desires for all the stuff. You can say, hey, I don't need that. I've got Christ. Let's stand and sing 450. I need thee every hour. Mm-hmm.